0: Hi, welcome to Life Distilled. I'm Jane. This episode, I'm examining the work of poet Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Samuel Taylor Coleridge is famous throughout English literature, not just for being a poet, but a poet critic as well, and one of the first. He continually promoted the work of his friend William Wordsworth and created the methods we still use today to analyze poetry, Coleridge was born on October 21st, 1772, in a small village in the western part of England. In his letters, he describes his childhood as isolated and full of a feeling of unworthiness. He was a constant reader and was inspired by his father's stories of stars and planets, and would learn more about poetry from his professors at school. He read everything from Greek literature to political pamphlets, which in turn influenced his views, which were mostly liberal— On the other hand, he enlisted in the army around the time of the French Revolution, leading many of his contemporaries to call him a traitor to revolutionary ideas. Coleridge dropped out of Cambridge, where he was attending college after leaving the army, in favor of publishing poetry. However, the poetry he wrote still kept criticizing the monarchy. He also ran a periodical called The Watchman, though it failed after ten issues. Most of Coleridge's poetry reflected aspects of his life, and intellectual ideas he wanted to explore. In 1800, he published a collection titled Lyrical Ballads, which was well received. One of his more well-known, though not well-written, poems is Kubla Khan, written after opioid-induced dreams. It wasn't published until nine years later, and then only because he needed money. Soon after composing Kubla Khan, Coleridge and Wordsworth collaborated on Coleridge's most famous piece, The Rime of the Ancient Mariner. They both contributed to the initial idea, and Wordsworth wrote a few lines of it. At the time, the poem got negative reviews from readers, but today, the ancient mariner is seen as highly visual and imaginative. By 30, Coleridge had abandoned poetry in favor of becoming a critic, specifically for poetry. He created many phrases we we still use today, like the suspension of disbelief. Coleridge died on July 25th, 1834, likely due to complications from his opium addiction. Known equally for his work as a literary critic, as for his poems, Samuel Taylor Coleridge was one of the founding members of what would be the Romantic era in poetry, and inspired John Keats and Lewis Carroll. Despite not being as popular as poets such as Byron or Shelley, his impact can't be denied.
1: The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Samuel Taylor coleridge. It is an ancient mariner, and he stoppeth one of three. By thy long gray beard and glittering eye, now wherefore stopst thou me? The bridegroom's doors are opened wide, and I am next of kin. The guests are met, the feast is set, mayst hear the merry din. He holds him with his skinny hand. There was a ship. Hold off! Unhand me, gray-beard loon! Eftsoons, his hand dropped he. He holds him with his glittering eye. The wedding guest stood still, and listens like a three-year's child. The mariner hath his will. The wedding guest sat on a stone, cannot choose but hear, and thus spake on that ancient man, the bright-eyed mariner.
0: This episode, I sat down with Jacob Sains, a poet and a librarian at Columbia College, Chicago, to discuss some of the intricacies of writing poetry, and what works and what doesn't. When I talked to Arlie Sims, um, Mm -hmm. and he recommended that I uh, talk to you, he said that you've published stuff?
2: Yes, i published some poems, individual poems in different journals and magazines, but I also published a book last year um, that came out, Throwing the Crown, is what it's called
0: okay
2: um so yeah i've been publishing or writing poetry for a very long time yeah
0: yeah what kind of stuff do you write about
2: um i don't know my the book is sort of very typical um first book of poems like childhood poems family life uh a lot of the poems sort of focus on um the neighborhood i grew up in i grew up in uh, cicero which is just right outside chicago and during like the eighties and nineties, when I grew up, there was there was a lot of gang activity uh, in that neighborhood. So, a lot of my poems sort of explore that culture and that lingo, uh, and I sort of infuse that into my poetry at times. Um, but then there's also like a middle section of the book, The book that broke up but broken up into three sections, and the middle section is the series of sort of bachelor poems, like I created this persona, the bachelor. Um, and uh, so I write in sort of the voice of someone who's a bachelor and sort of doing, you know, attending weddings. Yeah. But also like sort of just doing mon- mundane stuff like taking out the trash or making dinner or stuff like mm-hmm. that. So just, um, you know,
0: relating everyday life kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. So it's all sort of all over. Cool. Yeah.
0: I've, um, I've written a little bit, mm-hmm. um, mostly through college. Yeah um
2: through assignments I mean or
0: no I just have a lot of thoughts Yeah cool And and it's it's an easy way for me to get them out of my head mm-hmm. so I can focus on other things sometimes but for a while you know I wrote about you know I guess teenage stuff mm-hmm. you know Yeah I don't want to go to class <laughs> Yeah um you know you've got this crush on somebody Yeah but now I've noticed that a lot of my poetry is centered around like life and death, mm-hmm. which seems almost morbid. I've, I've lost a few people that I'm close to. Um, I'm my brother died um, about five years ago. I'm sorry. And so just every so often when like a line comes into my head, it's like, that that's good i need to put that down Mm -hmm. it's it's building on it and kind of like works as therapy i feel like
2: yeah i definitely had that feeling too um i haven't written much about death i've sort of been fortunate and i haven't had like a um, experience of death within my immediate family but i know those days are coming and um but i have you know have friends that have lost You know, loved ones, and I try to write. There's a poem in my book that sort of like talks about that experience of uh, helping my friend clean up his father's, uh, you know, old apartment Mm -hmm. and going through that experience uh, was something that I had never done. And uh, I wanted to sort of honor that moment and, and, uh, you know, that invitation to be a part of that process for him and help him be there as a friend through the grieving process, but also through this like real life process of just have to get rid of my dad's stuff sort of thing and um so I feel like writing about life and death that's always gonna you know always gonna be Mm -hmm. those are always gonna be the actual themes in in poetry you know yeah constant themes I should say
0: um I take a look usually um for my previous episodes you know just sort of like diving into the lives of you know famous poets Mm. um Seeing why they wrote what they wrote, mm-hmm. and I've been focusing mostly on Romantic era poets, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of that there. Yeah, and, and besides the you know Byron, you know, yeah, um, mm-hmm. it's it's very interesting to see how views on a lot of things have changed. Mm-hmm. Um there's There's a kind of intensity I feel like that I don't always get from poetry these days
2: hmm. um, you mean within the romantic uh poems that you've read, or yeah mm-hmm.
0: um and I feel like a lot of that is the language that they use mm-hmm. um, I know i if i'm you know if I've been reading a lot of you know Shelley or Keats, I'll write like them yeah because, you know, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah. Who, um, who's inspired you?
2: Um, a lot of different writers, you know, and um, you know, f- for me, some of the earliest writers that I got into um, were poets like uh, Sandra Cisneros and Sharon Olds and I guess a lot of sort of contemporary, uh, poets, uh, Pablo Nanu, that was a big influence of my, um, back in high school. And, um, but I've also been influenced by, you know, a lot of music growing up, um, a lot of sort of hip hop and rap that I grew up with. Uh, Prince is one of my big influences. Uh, you know, uh, but in terms of like the poetry element, uh, I would definitely list like, you know, Cisnetto, Sharon Olds, Lee Young Lee is also another uh, contemporary poet that mm-hmm. I discovered and uh, that really opened my eyes to like what poetry could be and, and, and the power of it. Um, but Paula Neruda, I think is probably like the main source of influence. The one that really kickstarted my, you know, goal into, into going into poetry.
0: Yeah. yeah. I know I have a friend who, um, sort of going on like a mental health journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's bought, um, a bunch of Ruby Carr's books of mm. poetry mm-hmm. and she's all about that. Right. So, and I've seen that a lot lately. So I feel like poetry is having kind of a resurgence lately.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not too familiar with her work, but I know she's a big, uh, you know, she's like a sensation right now yeah. and like sort of, a uh, yeah, she's got this sort of elevated celebrity status that a lot of poets don't have. Um, but I do think that, uh, poetry is having sort of a resurgence within the past, I don't know, 10 years more. So, um, a lot of that I think is because the, you know, the proliferation of, uh, like performance and spoken word poetry, you know, Chicago is a great, uh, city to, to experience poetry like that, you know, with young Chicago authors and a of than a bomb fest that's happening here, uh, or that's held here. Um. You know, there's just, I think there's just, like, an urgency with, especially younger poets, um, they're coming up through that scene, and they're having this, like, effect on the sort of market that that a lot of poets don't normally have. Um, I think I saw a headline, too, that recently, that, I think it was in The Guardian, that said that poetry book sales were up, you know, by whatever percentage, uh, within the past, like, five years. That's great. Which is great. I think yeah. that it, it's a testament to uh, the vitality and, and you know, the power of poetry, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. I I really do think, I think a few things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody should have a therapist, and I think everybody should read poetry. Yeah, that's good. Um Because I feel like there's such good ways at connecting to, like, I guess, broadly speaking, the human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really fascinating because that way it's it's so much easier to get a lot of different viewpoints. Um, you know, sometimes with a book, it it can be a lot of work to, you know, really get yourself into the mindset of the characters or of the world. But with poetry, it's a little bit more simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a great way to... You know connect with people all over the place
2: yeah for sure I definitely agree you know that's why I'm into games somewhat you know for the human connection and I do think that um that poetry allows for that more so than than fiction or non-fiction of course but of course you know I read both of those genres as well and and have great writers, uh, or writers that I admire and respect in those genres as well. But for me, poetry is always the one that I return to. And in order to have like that sort of immediate connection of thoughts or feelings, um, that I can sort of relate to on a very basic level, I guess, in some ways.
0: Yeah. Um, so do you have, like when you write, do you have any kind of like specific processes, I know one of my favorite um, contemporary poets, uh, Richard Sykin, mm-hmm. he does this thing where when he sits down to write poetry for like a specific group, of, uh, like a book that he'll publish, he actually sets himself like limitations. Hmm. Um, so they're all going to be left justified, and um, they'll have to have this many lines or something. And he says that it helps him... To not write the same poem every time. Yeah. Do you have any any like processes or whatever? I
2: don't. So that's probably probably writing the same poem over <laughs> and over. Uh, or at least that's what it seems like in some ways. I'm sort of like mining a lot of the same material. It seems in in my writing. Um, I wish I you know had a process. I'm not as disciplined as I should be and uh, as I want to be uh, when it comes to writing. Um, I've been struggling lately with writing newer work. Um but uh I've been trying to, you know, uh change that. And so for me, um I guess the process is not you know, my process is sort of just being aware, being awake to the world and allowing myself to take in to notice things and notice details and, and thoughts and feelings and, and trying to jot down uh, you know, if I see a something a striking image or if I have a thought that's you know, feels new to me. Um, trying to write that down in uh, in a journal and then sort of revisiting it later, you know, a few days later or whatever, and trying to type it up into some sort of poem if, if I can, some sort of draft of something. Um, I tend to write like on the weekends. Um, that's when I feel good about writing uh, or at least getting down to some rewriting of some stuff. Um, I tend, you know, so I work, Monday through Friday, like a nine to five job. And so going home to write is not necessarily like, uh, my brain's a little fried sometimes. So waking up on the morning, uh, weekend mornings is a good time for me to sort of have a clear head and sort of think through some poems that I want to try to get to. Um, and that's about as far as my process goes. Uh, Well, there's,
0: there's, there can be something really magical about, you know, like waking up on a Saturday morning and you know, the sun is coming in your window and you're just hit with something. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I don't have a lot of those moments.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, but when they do, when I do, they're really good.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm grateful for, for any moment that I have to, to write and I'm able to create something, you know, even if it's a little small, you know, whatever, a few lines on a page, um, that's progress to me, you know, and that's the part of the process and, you know, i could stall out after a few lines but just to know that they're there and then i could go back and revisit them and with a different head a uh, different mindset that um uh, would could be good and, and entail more writing
0: yeah so so you you do you prefer like writing on paper to writing on a computer
2: i do i mean at least uh for first drafts definitely i try to get as much as i can um, a first draft onto a page and you know I do like the visceral feel of it and you know the act, the act of writing you know via hand mm-hmm. is is really good um but I tend to yeah but when I actually sort of start revising I tend to have it on the screen you know type it up on whatever computer I have and um I, send this, I save each draft as I go, as I, like, sort of uh, edit, mm-hmm. even if the edit is just, like, I'm taking one word out of this poem, that's, like, a draft, you know, yeah. that's, for me, it counts as one draft, um, or a second draft, third draft, whatever, so I have, like, the way I've sort of been operating um, these days is, you know, I'll have a poem, and then I, when I go back to work on it, I'll just select, all, copy it, and then start it on the you know, the top page, and I'll start editing from there, whereas all the other old drafts are below it, so I can sort of see the progress I make and the changes that I've made and to help, you know, maybe I want to go back to change it back to the third draft, as opposed to what I'm doing in the fifth draft or something like that. Um, It's a good way to keep track of it for, you know, of the different changes that I have with with the writing as I go.
0: Yeah. Um, Are you... (laughs) The, the stereotype with, with any kind of writer that you have a million journals all over the house and you don't know which place you put that one thought. I know I do.
2: Yeah, for sure. I definitely have a bunch of journals and a lot of journals I still need to fill. But there's like... Yeah, sometimes I'll write, be writing in one journal you know, one day and then the next day I'm using a different journal for whatever purposes. Just because yeah. maybe it's just the round or whatever. But um, yeah, so like each journal I open it up, I'm like, wait, what was, why was I, why didn't I continue writing in this journal, even though, you know, cause I jumped up to this journal over here. I
0: feel like our minds work too fast.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. It's not a bad thing to have multiple journals around and, you know, just to have them there.
0: Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I guess is there anything that you think people should know about poetry? A lot of a lot of people don't know a lot of things. Right. For sure.
2: I think, um, you know, I think poetry is not something to be afraid of. Uh, I think a lot of people have a sort of ambivalence and an apprehension when it comes to reading poetry. And I think that maybe they just haven't read the right poem and the right poets. Um, I think there are poets out there for everyone and poem out, or poems out there for everyone and that can speak to you in whatever moment you need, or obviously poems, you know, you can find anthologies that group poems by like feelings or, you know, his, historic, uh, time periods, um, you know, pop culture stuff or whatever. Um, so I get to sort of like whatever you're into, um, as a reader. Um, I think the way we are sort of taught poetry, at least back in my day, you know, um, a lot of it is, you know, a lot of sort of dead white guys, right? Like the canon is dead white guys, yeah, and, and very sort of archaic sounding language. Um, but there's a lot of like, you know, contemporary voices that are sort of speaking to those to those poets as well, and sort of continuing that tradition of of um, I don't know, speaking poetry to the people, bringing bringing the people into the poetry, um, and I think that can get muddled a lot and. I just again, just how people are sort of raised and, and taught how to read poetry, and the different exposures that they have. But I think there is a lot of fresh voices um, that are that are doing some really great work and interesting work um, that are worth reading out there.
0: Yeah, thanks for tuning in to Life Distilled. If you want to keep the vibe going, check out our social media on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Poetry Distilled. You can vote in polls, share some of your favorite poems, and see what new books we add to our library. I'm Jane, and once again, thanks for listening and happy reading.